It's one thing to collaborate with brands as a creative, but the magic lies in leveraging those partnerships to grow your craft and explore more opportunities. The award-winning textile artist, designer, and founder of Lula's clan, Bunolo Chipape, had successful collaborations with brands such as Nando's, Smeg, Mr. Price, and many others. In this episode, she tells us how she did it and what she learned along the way. Bunolo shares insights for brands who are looking for creatives to work with. She also tells us how creatives can position themselves to get some of the opportunities they need to grow. Even if, let's say, you hit a big collaboration, how does it how does it propel your growth? Use it to propel your growth. Showcase, tell the story, tell the story behind the collaboration consistently. To help us reach more audiences and creators, share this episode and hit subscribe. Welcome to the Lead Creative Podcast, where we talk to creative industry leaders, influencers, and brands. We discuss the strategies that influence brand thinking and shape industries. Thought leaders and heads of agencies let us in on some of their thinking and insights. I'm your host, Mungi Simtati. Enjoy the show and please share and subscribe. Bonola, thanks so much for joining us on The Lead Creative. Um, I've been following your work and I really love some of the stuff that you've done uh, with the collaborations that you've had with brands. And I'd love for us uh, to delve a little bit into these. I know that one of the things you've said is that you started your design or at least creative work sketching while waiting for your mom, um, I think, at work. Um, it was, what would you tell that girl today about design and creative, um, you know, seeing as that's kind of where you started? Okay, so um, what I would tell that girl is just to keep on go- going, um, whatever, wherever your passion leads you, uh, even if it doesn't make sense. Um, it will make sense later. I mean, like when you're young, you don't have so much information about the world and what you can do in terms of career, um, especially if you are drawn drawn towards creative things. So it does take time to really um, find your niche and understand, you know, the industry as a whole. So I would tell that young girl to keep on drawing, sketching, um, yeah, just follow it. Um, it will make sense later. You'll connect the dots and also the opportunities will yeah. come along the more um, Absolutely. you could work into Absolutely. it. You began designing pieces for your home as part of your journey to building Lula's clan. At what point did you feel you could take the leap from agency to going solo? I think for me, I've always wanted to, like, I've always been business driven because of that, like just growing up and my mother selling, you know, daily essentials in her converted garage and me just helping out over the holidays. So I think um, entrepreneurship has come very like natural to me, but I reached a point in my short design career. I mean, like I, I, I was in the industry for like five years. I was still learning, but the good thing is that I learned at very good agency. So I learned to craft, I learned the design principles and everything to do with design, but I had reached a point where I was like, I need, I need something that, you know, um, brings purpose. And they, they needs to be more than just earning a salary, doing what 
you know, briefs for other sure. brands. Um, also, like, um, when you work within the industry, maybe as a creative freelance designer or whatever, there's so many restrictions in terms of you follow the brief guidelines, you know, the client wants this and there's a specific way you need to do it. So for me, the rigid structures were stifling maybe what I, I was urging and had a longing to just explode and put my work out there. So, sure. and also I had a lot of illustrations just sitting and it, it pained me to see these illustrations and I didn't know what to do with them, but I was like, you know what, I, I eventually want to build something sustainable. I want to build a business that's sustainable. So yes, I'm grateful for the opportunities of getting the work experience. Um, and then now it was a matter sure. of let me take everything that I've learned, all the guidance and mentorship from amazing creative directors and let me start my own business because eventually I want to leave a legacy for my children. I want to document and tell stories for the world. Um, so it was only fitting. I could no longer do the day job and then at night follow the passion. It was taking a toll on my body physically, mentally. So I I was yeah. like, let me go all in, risk it all. You've been comfortable. Yes, life has been set. It's been nice, but let's take this narrow, <laughs> long road. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy with the decision that said though Bonolo a lot of people who work you know in agencies and in other fields as well are constantly sort of doing something on the side or creating something on the side and this something that you were creating on the side of this passion project that you had you built into a business and what I'm kind of trying to establish is what was the point when you felt this is it, or what gave you the confidence to make that jump? Okay. Um, I can never be a slave of two masters. Like business itself is demanding. Work would be demanding. Like when I, sure. even now in my practice, I choose sure. to focus on one project at a time instead of multiple things. So for me, it was more mm -hmm. of like, let's narrow down the focus. Let's focus on this, nail it, understand it. You're going to fail along the way, but it's part of it. So I, I was, I was, it's a dedication. It's a commitment. It's a perseverance. You need to go sure. all in and not, leave anything you know out of the picture so for me i couldn't juggle the two other people can you get serial entrepreneurs that can juggle multiple yeah, yeah. businesses um yes i could have easily sure. stuck with my job you know grew very well within the industry um and i would have been far far oh, i don't know but i chose to just let's i want to focus on one thing and one thing this is my life purpose because within my practice it's not just about creating designs it's about there's a spiritual element to it where even the clients that approach me you know the stories that they share it's it's like we working together holistically from design to personal yeah. because we're building sure. a relationship while we're building this project or building yeah. the businesses that we want to so for me it's more about supporting other people's dreams um, that's what the work does, and that that is my calling to create, bring, when clients come to me, they come with a problem and they have a vision, but they don't know where to start. For me, I realize that, okay, 
in my profession, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm here to help people realize their dreams and create really beautiful projects that can maybe propel them further within their space. Since you started, you seem to have cracked the code to collaborating with big brands, something that many creative creative entrepreneurs really struggle with. Where did this start for you, these collaborations uh, that you've been able to build? I mean, you've worked with Nando's, Smeg, Mr. Price, Bulldog Gin. How did it start? Where did it start? Um, You know what? I believe for me it was... um, it, it stems from uh, wanting to learn more. So that has always been my intention. Mm-hmm. So I would send out multiple emails, you know, and luckily with these collaborations, they reached out to me. But it's not a cracking of collaborations because every collaboration is different and it requires different things and you tailor your package differently depending on the scope of the project so for some they were monetary so meaning that there's a remuneration and for some were were more about strategically where do i want to go with these brands you know do i want to create a brand partnership and um this is this a good brand alignment you know is this gonna propel you it doesn't always have to be about money and I think that's where creatives needs to need to think out of the box you need to think about what are other yeah. what are other vehicles in which this partnership can grow sometimes the collaborations can can exclude money all in all where where it's both it can still be both beneficial to both parties so it's an understanding of where mm. you are going and also like where is this yes. brand going and then trying to marry the two because i think with most collaborations the 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 concept of money gets in the way where i as a creative i need money for my work but find other ways to generate that money look at it as is it paid advertising Am I building a relationship for future? Am I building a portfolio? And sometimes these collaborations can purely be for I'm building my portfolio. I want a portfolio of really beautiful brands. And then when I'm ready and I'm confident in my skill and craft, that's when I can start, you know, talking about billable income and remuneration, those type of, yeah, those stuff that we don't like talking about. Yeah, so there's there are a couple of things there that I'd like us to unpack, and one of these things is 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 the idea of sometimes building for building relationships and building a portfolio. I'm, of course, understanding that you had been in the industry in the advertising industry for at least five years, so you had already you you were you were used to making a a good living, you know. Um, doing what you love and now you jump out of that into your business and you are almost rebuilding again and a lot of creative people and, and people in other fields as well I mean I've, 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 I've experienced it um, in other ways entrepreneurially in one or two ways where it's like a brand or a person a place kind of calls you up and says they will give you exposure. This will be good for your brand. This will be good for your portfolio. And that, in some instances, feels exploitative. How do you balance that? Yes, see, um, it's setting boundaries again. Like, I think with business, 
you need you need a thick skin and you also need something out of this so yeah. yes it started out as exposure and yes it was rough you know give sure. it like out advice for a creative for the first year don't yes take in the exposure it's fine that is that is your monetary value mm-hmm. at that point just so that you can build enough sure. food traffic and clientele from then on it needs to be business. It needs to be purely business. And this is where, for example, yeah. you can pair the exposure with something that's going to help propel your business. For instance, with some collaborations, I would be like, okay, um, let's say, for example, for the products that I sell through my, uh, my online store, I would maybe structure a collaboration yeah. in a way that, okay, I can license you this pattern for free, provided that I am part of the production process. Or if I can't manufacture the the products for your stores using this pattern, I want to be part of the process. Why am I saying this? Because for me, I was like, I saw a gap in my business where, okay, I need to understand efficiency, Mm -hmm. systems, production. How else can I gain that training, free training? And that's how maybe sometimes I collaborate with people where I'm within the production line. It's helping me in my business. It's money that I would have spent in a seminar, in a workshop, in a lecture hall. And then, yes, we do need to live. So have your red card. Understand and a red card for, for me, speaking for myself, it's not the same. It depends on the brand. And unfortunately, yes, um, you know, we get scrutinized for this. No, everything needs to be standard. But I can't charge someone that's starting out a business looking for a pattern. I can't charge them like the premium yes. amount. I can give them a package suited mm-hmm. for that. But if, let's say, an Adidas yeah. or well-known brand, a big brand comes in, that's where you need to be. Your business needs to be elastic. Understand the value of what you bring into your client and don't take in exposure. If you your portfolio showcases the good work and you've maybe gotten accolades for that, then exposure doesn't make sense at that point because then you can yes. come from a point of negotiation that, no, look at the work that I've done. They want that. Clients want that. Show them something, gain their trust, and then name your price. Be reasonable. Be fair. Don't be greedy. Um, so, yeah, because also understand what are the other benefits. If I can't get X amount, can I settle for this amount, provided that it comes with one, two, three, that can also assist and aid me get the next client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like that. I think uh, it it makes a lot of sense. I think find a way to draw the line as to when when exposure occurs and when is it is it uh, time to bill and also find a way of being part of, um, for lack of a better word, supply chain and probably that's not the right word but find a way of being part of the 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 selling process or the sales process in some instances um what i'm aware of though with some of these brands is that there are very many restrictions working with some of these are uh, these big brands like you can't always say um make me part of the production um and they agree or make me part of that and they kind of agree right because there are 
there's this perception that there are sort of there's a queue of people outside the door waiting for this kind of opportunity in 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 a way right and of course as a talented person you're confident in your work that even if there's a thousand people out there no one has the bonolo fingerprint on their work so so it's very unique and it's very distinct what challenges though have you had working with these big brands because we see the really good side of it where people have come out of it with really great work with really great collaborations with some of the brands that you've also mentioned but i imagine that starting out being new in the field there are also challenges what are some of these challenges and how did you overcome them um i think the one of the major, well, there's, the major challenges is that sometimes through collaborations, the artist gets silenced as soon as the work is out and, with, mm-hmm. you know, it has been publicized. And then now it becomes, they take ownership, they, you know, have these all these campaigns. Yes, they'll mention you the first two times, but then after that, that artist trail gets lost. So it becomes a thing of who designed this or they take ownership. So that's one way the makers are not heroed. And that's something that is very important to me, even with the people that I work with, uh, because it's so unfair. It's like you're taking credit for a piece mm-hmm. of work that you don't have sole rights or license or 100% license to. So I, as yeah. a creative the thing is I'm supposed to be part of this campaign because I gave you a piece, we work together. Mention that we work together. Mm-hmm. Don't silence it. Don't now that you sure. see that it's growing. And then the other thing would be in my industry would be lack of transparency, especially in terms of licensing patterns. So with royalties yeah. they get very tricky to to track especially if you are in the licensing field where you're licensing selling patterns. So sometimes, yes, these patterns come with licensing fees or royalties. So I'll get X amount for everything sold or every item sold. There is a lack of transparency where you are not physically there to witness every sale that's that gets in within their system, right? You only get every month, mm. you get a sales sheet, which you don't. So, and remember, trust is earned. <laughs> so um, for creative, you always like, are they telling the truth? Are they not? So the lack of transparency <laughs> becomes, and and people that purchase a product, they because they're so excited that, you know, you collaborated with this brand and these products are available, you know, they will reach you as a creator. They'll say, I purchased the Bonology Papa yes. 123, you know, and then it doesn't add up. The amount of people coming to you telling you and the amount of visibility of you witnessing your this creation in every space. Yeah. But it doesn't correlate with the sales. So, and you need an auditor, you know, you need those things within the, your contract, but it does get very expensive to bring in an auditor to audit their books. And it's really uncomfortable as soon as you go that route, you know that the relationship is damaged. So I'd say transparency and hiding creatives behind work has been my two major challenge. And maybe also, um, 
clients not because they get excited you give them this creative they they get excited they're now coming up with different campaigns they're out of scope you know versus (laughs) the money that they paid you the fee that you charged was for an apple and now there's bananas and the whole like vegetable garden um and that's and when you come back to them and say listen now this pattern is on everything. Now you commercializing it. Now it's on merchandise. Now it's on what it becomes another. Yeah, you yeah. never want to go back to setting up the agreement again and saying this was the scope. You went beyond. It's uncomfortable. It also breaks the trust and relationship. Yeah. So those big three. Um, yeah, not using creative work, um, creatives work uh, within uh, scope. Yeah. If you're enjoying The Lead Creative, please share this episode with your network and hit follow or subscribe. Enjoy the show. While sticking with the challenges, one of the things that is difficult at times for someone new in the industry, for an entrepreneur, for creatives, for people who are not established brands is this challenge of how do you charge how do you cost your work and how do you cost it fairly you've mentioned that you don't charge a small business the same as you would a big corporate for instance in instances when you're working with big corporates especially how did you how did you get to a point where you were confident enough to charge what you felt your work was really worth how did you get to that point because i don't imagine that that's easy what i keep hearing is that it isn't and this is across the board both locally and internationally yeah it isn't and like i think pricing it's it's so important um and it's something that you craft even as you grow it's like you miss that blind spot oh no I should have considered one two three so for me it has been a learning in terms of yes you as as when you enter the market look at how much hours you spend just go the simple route look at how much hours you spend on on a brief or on a project creating this item then look at all the touch points that this creative is going to touch is it going to roll out into publications posters banners whatever the bigger the touch the 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 more the touch points then just understand that it's not going to be cheap because now you're placing this on multiple things or you then then charge a flat project fee where it encompasses all the deliverables that the client has mentioned and then you charge a project fee taking into consideration the meetings the revisions and you can put you know first if you're starting out as a creative maybe you can put like 250 per hour 350 per hour and look at those tiny things that steal your time and then look at the creative how much time you've put in there but as you grow within the industry yes the same principle applies but now remember there's things like it took me years to practice design it took me years to practice textile design and that is i can't amount it to 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 
okay, because I can create a pattern in 30 minutes, but that pattern can have more value. I can create a pattern in a week or two months. And because I've, I've taken the time to, to be more efficient, I've understood how I navigate my patterns, how I navigate my, my creative. And that took a lot of time. So for me to bill you 250 or 350, just, just because it took me one hour doesn't make sense. So that's where value also comes in. So for, for myself, I look at the scope as well, but then I don't charge per hour. I charge, yes, per touch point, I've got to figure there's yo, there's a method to the madness, but also you need to be confident enough. And the confidence comes from, the confidence comes from, you need something to show that, listen, you need to trust me when I charge you 50K or whatever case that as a seasoned maybe designer, let's look at the accolades. You know, I don't just design work just for money, just to design something. It needs to go somewhere. And even in my agreements, I do state this work will be entered into design competitions. So for the client, they understand that, okay, this, I'm trying to create a work of caliber here and if it, you know, and funny enough, or good thing is that, yes, the clients, it's always beneficial. It always opens doors. And, you know, there's an accolade attached to the work uh, that I create for them. So I look at that and I show and I show this to clients that, listen, I'm award winning and this is how much I charge. And trust me, even if I charge you maybe 50K, I put on a hundred and fifty hours in there you don't understand so and also giving the client a little bit extra you know go above and beyond don't even don't just look at okay i'm just gonna produce work of 10k no for yourself go above they ask for a pattern give them a pattern and one two three that's how you also solidify the relationships where you go above and beyond just because you're passionate about the project that you are given. So saying no to projects that you are not passionate about is, is going to be important because then you're overcharging clients for something that you're not immersed in. And that's where your personal consciousness needs to come in, where do good work, do great work, align with brands that value the same. And if it also helps the community, if there's like some social responsibility thing attached to it, then that's great. Then you're also aligning your key purpose if that's what you're into. And that adds value to your work as well. Now, Bonalo, <clears throat> coming to this, um, you've, you've mentioned, I think, uh, growth or at least the, this idea of developing um, as you go. Now, one of the things that I mentioned earlier is, of course, your collaborations with big brands. What did you learn about yourself and working with big brands after your work with Nando's, Smeg, and any other brand that you worked with as a designer? At all these points, I'm sure that you grew, you evolved, you realized things about yourself, you found out a bit more about the industry. Which was the one project that you feel you grew a lot out of and what did you learn from that about yourself um okay the one project um that i learned a lot was um a, uh, uh, so a client of mine uh, palesa mukubung 
uh, she has a, a fashion label called Manto. So I designed a, a pattern, yeah. a textile design, and this pattern was acquired by H&M. So from a creative point of view, um, as, a, as a designer, I learned that, you know what, to stick to your, to, to your core purpose and your style, you know, and, and, and grow in it is quite important that the world will see it, you know, because this I was creating sure. for another person and it blew up. It literally blew up. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So these patterns, as much as they detail, they, they are loved. So I grew confidence yeah. from that, that, you know, I'd keep on doing it because all along I thought that, okay, the style's a bit too complicated. People don't get it. Some people say there's too much colors. So for me, <laughs> yeah. I learned from that point, I learned like stick to your authentic, your authenticity. Whatever designs you create in the style and signature that they come out with, it's important and it will be seen. And yes, maybe next time as, as you grow into your craft, don't be shy because sometimes we think that the, the not so great work is not worth of being seen. But that's the thing. Mm. The one that you don't like, the client loves. And then so understand that it's a process that every piece is different and give it a chance. Give give the project a, a chance to live. And then I think with another project makers landing, sure. Yeah. It was a tough, it was <laughs> a belly of the beast for me. Sure. <laughs> a good one. Um, um so for me with makers landing, it taught me patience, taking guidance from others. As a solo entrepreneur, yeah. you also get into the habit and it's not always a good thing of like, this is a vision, guys. I want, yeah. I want it like this. So, yeah. And also being paid. I, I haven't worked in a team in such a long time. Being paid with someone you don't know, it there was a lot of friction at the start Mm -hmm. This one is creative. This one is creative, but in a verbal and, 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 and research vibe. This one is creative in pictures, so it's marrying art and words together. So I learned a lot from my sure. teammate. I learned a lot from the direction of others. And I actually, I grew. I, I think at the end of it, I was so impressed with the outcome of the work. And the relationships mm. that grew out of that was so beautiful because, you know, even <laughs> now we're still working together and we want to take over the yeah. world. Like, because we were, both, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we yeah. were both uncomfortable, myself and Cole, and she knows this, we were both uncomfortable because we are so, creatives get stuck in their own way of working. So this sure. one will start yeah. with one, yeah. two, three, but this one starts there. So working with people, taking, you know, criticism criticism sure. is so important because you can also get comfortable while you're doing this award-winning things and then the next project that comes in, you're having big challenges because all these yeah. people, they also want you to grow. So it, 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 it sure. also entails taking in the knocks and taking in the hard criticism because under, you, mm -hmm. you should understand that everyone wants this to be amazing. So until that point, you have to go keep on crafting, keep on designing, revisiting designs. Um, yeah, so yeah, that, was yeah. a, that was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful one because, you know, it's so easy yeah. to give up and say, I don't want to be part of this project. Um, 
But if you stick to it because you believe in it and you understand that, okay, but I'm growing from last week. I've done 100 logos, but let's go. <laughs> let's go. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think out of that, I mean, I'm getting a lot out of that. I think one of the biggest things is find and and find your signature and kind of commit to it because that's kind of what distinguishes you in the market. And also this idea of, patience in collaboration and sticking to a process one step at a time because sometimes when you work alone as you've just said you almost have once you get an idea you have a vision for it and you kind of know where it's going so you have a direction and sometimes working with somebody else this direction keeps changing and the vision also changes so it's almost like um taking it literally taking it one step at a time one puzzle piece at a time and building on it and kind of collaborating that way um when looking at your work i see this african design aesthetic being communicated in a contemporary way um and you've also mentioned something like this in another um in another conversation another interview that i saw is african design being received well across the globe since you started and went down this journey yes of course it it has been received very well from sure. the global market because remember it's also, it's up to us creators, maybe, you know, championing the style. Um, when you look at the Bauhaus style, it originates somewhere. It's people from there that it's creators that came together or creators that saw a boom in this aesthetic. So with us in Africa, we don't, we didn't have that. So the more creators you know, tell their stories because this is home. These these symbols become so natural to us that um, if we put it into work or creative pieces, it almost becomes like we're championing this as an design style, an African design style or South African design style mm -hmm. and putting it into literature, putting it into historical books, into art uh, books that other kids can learn from in our universities. Because I think when I was in varsity, we were being taught about mostly, you know, European artists and European designers and European sure. design style. But there was mm -hmm. nothing on African design yeah. unless it was fine art and you're looking at Gerald Sukoto's artwork or Walter Batters. But there was never really an, a South African design as a category of a design style. And that's what I love. And that's when I say contemporary or why I champion contemporary is because also times have changed, right? Gone are the days that it's just yeah. masks and oranges and browns and 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 you know the how you know how how africa has been seen you know in the dark Perceived, africa yeah, they, yeah, you know the, the, the wildlife of africa. what africa is yeah. Yeah. yeah so we i i would love to champion the different facets of africa africa can be luxurious african can be clean and simple africa can also take a very modern twist and a very contemporary twist where it still remains its essence still remains african but it's appealing to you the global audience it's a world view of what africa means because we are changing as well and that narrative has to change and we need to understand where we're taking this so when i design i design it with that intention that it needs to feel like home but with a global approach so that anyone across the world 
can really find resonance in it because there's nothing unique under the sun, right? I reason Picasso used yeah. African elements in his work. So when you start looking at this, you you start to understand that these artists traveled. So it becomes important for a yes. an, an African designer to also be exposed to what's going on, yeah. what can I learn, and how can I bring it home, but without losing the essence of what I'm trying to communicate or the essence of my signature. And I think that that is that 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 that's a very important point, right? That the whole not losing your essence, even though you have global influences or global inspiration to your work. You've also mentioned this idea of home just now, and I want to delve a bit um, into that because your book Amoso collection is inspired by the feeling of home. You've said. Um, how do you infuse this feeling into each piece, especially when designing for international audiences or brands? Okay, so my uh, let me take you from uh, maybe from the start when in, uh, conceptualizing this collection. Sure. For me, I looked at yeah um, just typical scenarios of people that are maybe are born in Africa, but maybe have lived somewhere else or they don't have a sense of home in terms of or they're traveling. For example, travelers normally when they come to SA, they're like, it feels like home and we love the people, we love the food. They want to take some a piece of Africa to go back home with. Or, you know, just because we are melting, uh, we are melting country actually of different people coming from different places. Uh, how do you make someone feel at home? How do you instill that feeling into a product? I looked at colors. I looked at shapes. I looked at my displacement in a new place where home is so far away from me. You know, I relocated. And the only things that I could find a remembrance of home was through objects. It was through maybe my grandmother's yeah. blanket. It was through this candle. It was through this cushion with a specific style. So I realized that, okay, sometimes we are attached to objects just because of the feeling that it gives us. It mm -hmm. reminds us of something. Yes. It doesn't necessarily have to look like it, but we can we can just sit around a table and share a meal and say this feels like home or cuddle in a blanket and say i remember the warmth of home so this collabor this this collection celebrates all those feelings that we personally um um have or associate with the concept of home wherever home is and that's what i wanted the products to do that it's not just about Africa or the place that you are born. It's about the feeling, whatever object that makes you feel at home, brings you a sense of comfort, brings you a sense of joy, then that piece is home to you. Um, so yeah, Bogamoso also is an optimistic outlook into the future. The name says it, 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 it talks about the future where we are all traveling now. The world is getting closer. People, people are relocating. They misplaced. Some people don't have a sense of home because they don't have families. So it's just understanding different that people come from different backgrounds. And I left it open to the viewer to also associate their own feelings with the product. Um, not just saying this this is home, 
but saying you are whoever sure. finds a love and appreciation for this product, then surely it means something. So within the campaign, I asked different people, what does home feel feel like to you? What is home to you? And it was very interesting, yes. um, the, the comments or remarks that I got from it that, yeah, and the stories uh, with that, that come, came along with that. You mentioned um, the desire to collaborate with Adang Chikare. How do you envision that collaboration working out? How do you envision it sort of taking shape? And what stories or themes would you want to explore? Um, that's the thing, right? Collaboration is not one-sided. So I, and, um, so to have a pre preconceived idea of how the collaboration is gonna go and what, and what stories that would mean I'm taking yeah. a one-sided approach, but I, I I've always loved the Dan Chikara's, uh, growth within the, the industry. He comes from a graphic design background. I love the interdisciplinary approach to his works that he can easily, you know, create graphic design, really graphic, beautiful graphic design works, but also translate those into, you know, luxurious uh, sculptural designs, you know, fine art sculptural designs. So I love that approach. And I saw the marriage of we have similar backgrounds, maybe in terms of design and graphic design and applying it into different disciplines. And how do we now create an object or piece that marries the two? I think it's a conversation if such an opportunity would come that me and him would have to kind of from the ground up. I believe in collaboration that starts from the ground up where we come with our minds, um, with a blank canvas, with no idea what we're going to do, but having a conversation of what are you, or learning each other, what are you passionate about, what do you want to say, and so forth, bouncing off ideas, it needs to be organic. Um, I think also maybe speaking to collaboration, that's why a lot of people find collaborations very difficult, is that people come with preconceived ideas or conceived you, notions, you just, yeah, yeah, you just yeah. add a pattern. I don't believe in a collaboration where you just add a pattern on top of an object because you've already got this figured out. This is not just a pattern that gets on top of something, but can you maybe, can we maybe discuss are there other ways? Does a pattern come to life through 3D, whatever? So it's about exploring mm. creativity when you're collaborating with a person, maybe yeah. especially peer-to-peer. -peer, it's about start, uh, starting things from the yeah. ground and merging, you know, he's a well-seasoned designer, really. So there's a lot to learn from him as well uh, from my side and just, yeah, just doing it out of pure love and passion for what we both, you know, do. If you're enjoying The Lead Creative, please share this episode with your network and hit follow or subscribe. Enjoy the show. Yeah, we've, we've just, I mean, we've spoke about a lot of things and among those things was, of course, um, African contemporary design. And in some instances, there's this, there's this idea of cultural appropriation. And I know that you've spoken about cultural appropriation as well elsewhere, where you offered a very nuanced, I think, thoughts around it. On that note, how do you suggest 
designers educate themselves to approach design in a respectful and informed manner, especially when inspired by cultures that are different from their own or cultures that they are unfamiliar with? Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one because I've also, even being a cultural designer, I've been, you know, uh, an audience would yeah. see a product that's inspired by, by some another culture and they say, it's not spelled like this. It's actually, this is how you spell it. So then it becomes like, yes. you need to be aware. Um, you need to educate yourself. But I always say in my discipline, I don't look at uh, resembling that culture 100%. For me, it showcases sure. the similarities. I The core of what I do or my pattern design, it showcases that we are one, actually. Mm -hmm. As much as we are segregated uh, because of cultural tribes, cultural yeah. backgrounds, even language. So for me, it's more of like this symbol is similar to one, two, three, and this is what they all have in common. I'm going to put them together because yeah. I'm not trying to highlight one specific culture. I'm not trying to celebrate one specific yeah. culture. I'm trying to show or educate people the similarities. For example, with the throw blanket throw collection that I did, um, limited edition uh, throws, it was more about the object. It was about that we have something similar. When you look at a blanket, a woman goes through a journey where if they they have lost their husband or they are grieving, they are they get put on this blanket. Or when mothers, yeah. you know, bring in new life into this world and they hold a baby, they they have a special blanket. Or when a woman goes through different sure. things, you know, like in Basotho, it's an act of gifting of two families, maybe in a marriage ceremony. Yeah. So the whole point was I drew different aesthetics, lines inspired by Basotho, dots inspired by Kosa, different things, not to yeah. to to tell the the story of the tribe but to tell the story of the significance of certain objects in our cultures that are similar that we are the same um mm -hmm. even though you can spot an indebele motif there or kosa motif yeah. there cultural appropriation all has to do with what are you championing as a creative if you are theoretical and you're like i want to document this to the t then it becomes very important to be aware and cognizant of every single element that you use like the beadwork of zulu people means so many different yes. things you know um so be aware even if that's the research approach and that's the story that you want to capture the authentic story mm -hmm. that you want to capture then it's okay so yeah. i'm i'm more of like cultural appropriation i'm not against it because that's how we also evolve our, our style our south african design style is it so so is it is it appropriate i think what i've what i've i mean there's this right there's this fine line between appropriation and what you've just described now which is uh championing a culture based on kind of what you understand now i think the question that comes up for me is this thing of how well do you immerse yourself or do you should you immerse yourself in a culture in order to champion that culture in whatever it is that you do because we've i mean I want to, let's say African cultures, for instance, right? We've seen them being 
being being um being uh i suppose showcased in ways that seem to be more appropriation than championing or a more appropriation than somebody who's immersed in the culture how do you find that balance um remember like the artist or creative will also put in within the body of work their own viewpoint and that's maybe what we see sure. where the the yes the artwork as even if it it was trying to champion zulu people because whatever tribe of people mm-hmm. the creative will always always put a spin on it they'll always leave their own interpretation and i think that's where the fine line balance needs to come in where what stays the same and what changes but as a creative to start off you need to research do your research you know ask questions it's a study approach it's like you need to understand this culture if you're going to be talking about the zulu sandals and you want this pattern to be inspired by zulu sandals you need to understand the customs you need to understand go into deep detail ask people yeah, yeah. do the research yeah. and then communicate that but also again are you trying to depict it champion it just as it is then it's fine leave leave the design don't tamper with it but are you trying to showcase your expressive viewpoint in your messaging um then you know that's that's the you need to decide what are you trying to do um because i think you can as a creative um i think creative creativity is about self expression so even if i'm bedi how i view my bedi culture even though i understand it will come out differently in my work maybe i'm inspired by just the colors it doesn't follow the yeah. form of the dresses it doesn't follow 1 sure. 2 3 but the rig rag sure. is there you know so um yeah but how, that's how we also evolve but that's why you need to understand it's important that as the work evolves or the style evolves it still remains true is it the lines that you keep consistent as basutu blanket for example the diagonal lines the horizontal lines are very important so if you're going to create a blanket that inspires is inspired by basutu people keep those lines that is what the signifier so understanding what signifies this culture is important because then it will tell you this is the element that remains constant and everything else can change around it because this is the element that really links this piece to basutu people because the key meaning or significance or story this is what it holds um so it's a research mm-hmm. approach you don't just you don't just do it otherwise it's and you don't just copy it that's the other thing there's a yeah. reason why yeah. ndepele people or you know whatever art styles they put circles next to 1 2 3 there's a reason you need to find out um that unless you're going an expressive um you know uh what's it called um forgot the word but yeah expressive root <laughs> yeah yeah now now bonolo with everything that you've learned um up to this point working with big brands what advice would you give to other creatives who are looking to collaborate with big brands who are looking for some of the opportunities that you started out looking for with you know the cold emails that you were sending and then applying for some of the some of the collaborations and partnerships that you had that you then were able to get 
at the end of it? What advice would you give? I think um, the advice is just, you know what, do what, keep doing what you're doing. Put it out there. There's social media now. There's digital platforms. You can create a website, put your work there. Um, but also, like, I think it's important to understand that the more, and this is where there is no book for it, the more sure. work you put into what you do, the more the world, the universe, whatever you want to call it, will bring those opportunities to you. Because it's very surprising that you can get an email uh, because you had a mood board, have a vision, have a mood board of all the different brands that you would love to work with, you know. Um, and then do the job, prepare yourself, prepare yourself so that if that opportunity arises, um, you'd be very surprised that an email pops in. It might not be the collaboration that you're looking for, but it can help you start somewhere. And also don't be afraid to collaborate with your peers because it's not just about the big brands. You know, you the big brands, they look for you because they've seen you somewhere. Even if you do the cold calling and email, they receive yeah, hundreds yeah. of emails every day. So make your make sure that you present yourself as a brand, number one your social media, mm -hmm. that your work is up there. Document yeah. every single thing, every small, big, local project that you're doing, even with a friend, document it, publish it online on social media. Eventually, they will find you. And also, don't be afraid to do paid advertising as an artist or creative. You can still do that. You don't need to collaborate first with a brand to market yourself. So understanding how you market yourself as an artist, as a designer, that's very important because at the end of the day, all these steps are there to aid you so that they become aware of you, so that someone can see it. And, and good thing this someone knows the director of one, two, three, that's how these things work. You know, you need to, the more you in front of people, someone, people are watching. And I think that's the beauty of technology nowadays or social media. People are watching enter competitions, locally international competitions, enter them, try your luck. Sometimes they, you know, it can be, you could feel like they're so, you know, with, with, they're so far from your reach or you're not comfortable yet because they're talking about textiles and there's a research part and then there's sustainability just do it yeah. anyways you never know yeah, um yeah. so that that would so, be so put yourself put yourself out there put, put yourself, yourself out there, out as much there. Market yourself and, and explore and, all the opportunities and, yeah. and invest in that look at yourself as like i'm gonna invest in this get the right tools also i'm gonna invest in you know, doing a paid marketing thing every day, doing videos, the works, there's yeah. content there. Um, so, yeah. The final question, um, Bonolo, with everything that you've, uh, you've, you've, you've said and everything that you've, you've shared, which is all really, really insightful. And thanks for that. Who is someone in any industry that you admire and what's the one question that if you met them you would ask them about their approach to work and life um oh boy 
You know, when you ask that question now, <laughs> the, the, the mind goes blank. Um, okay, yeah. I would say, okay, there's, there's two. <laughs> Can I mention two? Um, sure, sure. Two sure, absolutely. I think from a business side, um, I really admire the Batu brand, the South African Batu brand. Um, so it would be more about uh-huh. how how did they scale? How do you how do you make sure that your business is scalable, like from the product production side of things, and um, because sure. sometimes with limited capital funding, what are the other alternatives that we can bring or gain momentum in in our businesses yeah. or sales and things like that so that would be more um business sided and then another one would also be uh yeah i yeah i, I really love the fashion designers uh equally tebe magago and laduma makosa uh from yeah. laduma makosa would be like how do i i find that in the space that I'm in that we constantly need to justify the value or the pricing of our products, even though we're trying yeah. to make everything in essay and it's very expensive sure. and it brings our costs so high that we have to also now put a markup and, you know, things like that. So how, sure. and sometimes the, the South African market doesn't understand. They think that you're just trying to price an item very expensive, not understanding yeah. what goes behind it. So for my side is that how did he get confidence in creating a luxury brand, sticking to his pricing, even when probably everyone told him that, no, it's too expensive or whatever, because that's what you get also. And I yeah. think uh, we need to also not shy away from... Um, I think for us, adding value into items, maybe black people, um, it becomes questioned uh, because not a lot of people are within that luxury segment or, you know, we don't have that yeah. experience. So, and then the other thing would be to him, Laduma would be like, um, were there any challenges or criticism? How did he overcome the critical maybe questions of why didn't he market his product to the local audience first before uh, the global um, or the international audience? Uh, Because we do experience that where like our product... our products are sought after by more international people than local yeah, people. Yeah. But as soon as you mention sure. that, no, I don't actually sell an essay, it becomes like, but yeah. you're making these here. It, <laughs> my buyers are not buying here. So I'm going yeah, where my target yeah. market is. So how did he navigate Absolutely. that? Um, especially with the with products that become very expensive for our market, our essay region yeah. or whatever to consume. Yeah. So... Yeah, those would be the yeah. questions yeah. surrounding. Yeah, business. it sounds like it would be a long lunch with. Uh, with it would. And then I think listen. the last one was uh, Tebe Makuku that you mentioned. Yes, yes. Oh, Tebe, Tebe would be, um, yeah. Finding more, finding out his journey in the fashion. Besides his talent, he's highly like he's 
talented he's amazing but like i'm yeah. sure like how how did he how did he navigate that space um in terms of sure. growth getting the opportunities um sure. you know yeah he just finding out more in terms of his 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 experience within um the fashion mm-hmm. space and design as well design space yeah. yeah and i think what i find interesting about that question particularly is that I see similarities in his journey and yours in the sense of the ability to collaborate across, you know, collaborate, I suppose, across various brands and leverage those collaborations. And we haven't really spoken about leveraging those collaborations. And I suppose the last question to you is, you can go from one collaboration uh, with you know, Nando's and Smeg, Nando's to Smeg, to Mr. Price, to H&M, to um, Bulldog Gin. But how do you leverage one collaboration to grow into the next? Mm. How do you do that? Is that is yeah. that <laughs> something you do through media? Is that something you do through your portfolio? Is that mm. how do you do that? I think that is... That is the quest that is probably one of those questions that I would ask you because mm. we see people collaborating with these big brands, but sometimes in in more instances than not, a lot of these collaborations become one hit wonders. You hear about that one person the one time and you never hear about them again. And you're like, Oh yeah, I remember Bunolo. Um she collaborated mm. with Nando. I wonder what happened to her. But mm. then you grow from Nando's to Mr. Price, from Mr. Price to Bulldog Gin. How do you leverage these? And what's the stepping stone from one to the next? Um, just finally and very briefly. Okay. Um, I think you only, uh, the quote that sums it up is that you, you're only the best, you're as good as the, your last job. <laughs> so, um, so it's important sure. to, even if, let's say, you hit a big collaboration, how does it how does it propel your growth mm-hmm. use it to propel your growth showcase sure. tell the story tell the story mm-hmm. behind the collaboration consistently document it through your website but also most importantly i enter i enter awards out enter awards like glories it's strategically so because sure. the brands that i love to work with are there they're watching they're also entering their own um uh, in um, those spaces campaigns yeah. or projects through agencies or whatever so i enter that to showcase the work that i've done and you get ranked you sure. get ranked as a designer you get ranked as one two three there's a ranking system you know the deal is stay on top of that rank enter enter the work the collaborations that you've done so that you are ranked well but also to expose yourself it's a paid marketing lorries are very expensive but i think every creative yeah if, even if you're doing a side project or side collaboration enter them because what it's doing you are at the forefront of people sure. with, of the people the decision makers maybe an essay of people that are working with probably the brand that you want to work with so do that um don't look at the results whether you win or not but do it as a practice of like at least that you're, you you mm-hmm. you are you are remaining visible to the right people because you can sure. have a big following but not be visible to the right people 
um, your key people are people. Yeah, and I think the, the, this idea of visibility com- keeps coming up. This idea yeah. of visibility keeps coming up yeah. quite a lot. And I think yeah. exposure and visibility, you've mentioned quite a number of times. Uh, Winolo, thank you so much for, yeah. for making the time. It was a really insightful conversation. And um, whenever possible, we'll try to um, get your questions answered by Batu, um, Laduma, and uh, Tebem. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Pardon? Please get them in. <laughs> Interview yeah. them one day. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. No, yeah, we'll make a plan. We'll make a yeah. plan. Thanks so much, Bunalo. Thank you for listening to The Lead Creative. Did you get one insight that's worth sharing from this episode? Please share it with your network or your friends. Pop me some of your ideas and innovative finds on Twitter on at Mongesi. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find me on mongesi.com. <laughs>